Justice Delayed is a true crime podcast. While I always try to warn you when there's going to be graphic content, today's episode will contain more graphic content than usual as we discuss Jennifer's autopsy findings. As always, I have Jennifer's family on my mind and on my heart as I record this. Extreme listener discretion is advised. We, the undersigned, hereby certify that on the 19th day of September, 2002, beginning at 1230 hours, pursuant to Statute 49.25 of Texas Criminal Code, a complete autopsy on the body of Jennifer Servo was performed at the Tarrant County Medical Examiner's District Morgue in Fort Worth, Texas, and upon investigation of the essential facts concerning the circumstances of the death and history of the case, I am of the opinion that the findings cause, and manner of death are as follows. Findings 1. Evidence of strangulation A. Strap muscle and soft tissue hemorrhage of neck B. Deep fascial and esophageal, epiglottic, and laryngeal hemorrhage C. Petechial hemorrhages of bulbar and palpebral conjunctivae 2. Multiple blunt force injuries of head and face with basilar and calvarial skull fractures and residual intracranial hemorrhage. 3. Genital trauma, contusions of labia and vaginal introitus. 4. Postmortem toxicology attached. Cause of death 1. Strangulation 2. Blunt force trauma of head. Manner of death Homicide. Signed by Mark A. Kraus, M.D., Chief Deputy Med Examiner. Eighteen years have passed since Jennifer Servo's murder. A lot can happen in eighteen years. People grow up. They have kids of their own. Their perspectives change. They end relationships, end friendships and they start new relationships and new friendships. Sometimes people just drift apart. Sometimes people who were scared are no longer around the people they were scared of. And sometimes people just don't understand how important the information they have really is. Jennifer needs justice and so do you Columbia Falls. So come along with me on my search for justice in the form of a murderer. Hi everyone, welcome back to Justice Delayed, the unsolved homicide of Jennifer Servo. I'm Sharon. First of all, I want to apologize for the inevitable mispronunciation of words in this episode. Jennifer's autopsy report contains a lot of words that are difficult to pronounce. I've researched their pronunciation and done my best. However, I know it's still not perfect by any means. Second, I'm not going to read you the entire autopsy report, at least not today. For over three years now, 
I've made it my business to read, watch, and listen to everything ever written, filmed, or recorded about Jennifer's case. And as far as I know, Jennifer's autopsy report has never been discussed publicly. It's never been available to anyone except the police department and Jennifer's family. But it's been 18 years, and nothing else has worked. Out of respect for Jennifer's family and the trust they've placed in me, I'm not going to share anything that I think is irrelevant, nor am I going to post the autopsy report on the Justice Delayed website at this time. If you have specific questions or you want more information because you're a medical examiner, doctor, nurse, or have a similar profession, and you think you might be able to be helpful in this case, contact me and we can discuss your questions in private. That being said, I'm a paralegal, not a medical professional, so some of this may end up being more relevant than I think it is. I truly believe the parts I'm leaving out aren't relevant, at least in relation to the discussion we're having today. I am going to go through all of Jennifer's injuries. I know I already gave you guys the content warning, but this episode and this portion of this episode is more graphic than we've ever been on the podcast. So if you want to skip over all of this, give me about five minutes. Please know that I'm reading this with the utmost respect for Jennifer and her family. There's a reason I haven't covered her autopsy until now on the podcast. I hate sharing all this incredibly personal information. But after much thought, over three years of thought actually, I've decided to share it in the hopes that there's a clue in here somewhere to what really happened to Jennifer and to who's responsible for it. So it's with a heavy heart that I read to you exactly what happened to Jennifer Servo in what should have been the sanctity and safety of her own apartment. Part 4. Evidence of Injury Evidence of Strangulation The sum of injuries indicative of strangulation are referred to as wound number 1. There is hemorrhage in the right sternocleidomastoid muscle and adjacent soft tissues. The right sternothyroid muscle, focal, and the left sternohyoid muscle and posterior to the esophagus at the level of the glottis. There is petechial hemorrhage of the epiglottic mucosa and of laryngeal mucosa as demonstrated in accompanying photographs. The hyoid and thyroid cartilage are intact. There is focal hemorrhage in the esophageal mucosa at the level of the glottis to the right of midline. Petechial hemorrhages are found in the bulbar and palpebral conjunctivae. Blunt force injuries. There are five areas of blunt force injury identified and enumerated here for purposes of identification. Wound number two, which is actually the first of the five blunt force injuries. Location, right frontal scalp near hairline. Injury type, contusion and abrasion with underlying subgaleal hematoma. Size, three-quarter inch by five-eighths inch. Internal evidence of injury. Internal injury is limited to subgaleal hemorrhage and hematoma formation. Wound number three, the second of the five blunt force injuries. Location, 
Left forehead near hairline, half inch left of midline. Injury type, squared abrasion with overlying stellate laceration. Size, one inch by one inch abrasion with stellate two and a half inch by one and a half inch laceration. Lower extremity of laceration lies two inches above left brow ridge. Internal evidence of injury. Internal injury is limited to subgaleal hemorrhage. Wound number four. This is the third of five of Jennifer's blunt force injuries. Location, left parietal scalp, four inches above the tragus of the left ear. Injury type, squared abrasion with overlying arrow-shaped laceration. Size, one inch by one inch abrasion with arrow-shaped laceration with three-quarter inch and one inch main limbs. Internal evidence of injury. There is underlying subgaleal hemorrhage. A linear fracture extends from the inferior squamous left temporal bone into the lateral petrous ridge of the same bone from a distance of some two centimeters. Lies five centimeters below external scalp injury. There is a residual subarachnoid hemorrhage over the inferior temporal lobes and right cerebellar hemisphere. Wound number five. This is the fourth of the five blunt force injuries. Location, inferior left orbital rim. Injury type, dermal contusion. Size, one and three quarter inch by three eighths inch. Internal evidence of injury, none. Wound number six. This is the fifth of the five blunt force injuries. Location, distal right mandible below right stomal angle. Injury type, contusion. Size, two inches by one inch. Internal evidence of injury, none. Genital injuries, wound number seven. There are contusions of the labia and of the vaginal introitus as demonstrated in accompanying photographs. There are no internal genital injuries. At this point, the report says, in a separate paragraph, quote, there are no additional injuries found at examination, unquote. So that's the entire list of Jennifer's injuries. What stands out to you? The first thing I noticed was the lack of defensive wounds on Jennifer's arms, as we discussed in the last episode. But not only did she not have any defensive wounds, she didn't have any scratches on her neck. If I were being strangled, I imagined myself clawing desperately at the hands of the perpetrator to try to get him to release his grip. And we know Jennifer had fingernails long enough to break one. She broke the third fingernail on her right hand. The question is, did her fingernail get broken because she was struggling against her attacker as he was strangling her? Or was she already unconscious by the time he put his hands around her neck? In order to solve this crime, we need to be able to reconstruct what happened. So which came first, the strangulation or the bludgeoning? And why did the killer basically kill her twice? Was he just trying to make sure she was dead? Or is there another reason? Not only was there no mention of fingernail marks on Jennifer's own neck from trying to pry the killer's hands from around her throat, but both the Montana boyfriend and the Abilene colleague were interviewed by police in the days following the murder. And I can't prove it, and I've never seen it reported anywhere, 
but the police must have photographed both men to document whether there were scratches on their hands and arms. Right? Even if there aren't photographs, the investigators must have looked at both men's hands and arms to see if they had any injuries. I mean, they were both cooperating with police. At least for the first few days after Jennifer's murder. Like I said, I don't know if photographs exist because I don't have access to the case file, but I'd be shocked if they don't. And if anyone the police interviewed had had fingernail scratches on their hands, arms, anywhere really, I think we would have had an arrest by now. So this has been a tough episode. It's been tough to write and tougher to record, and I'm sure it was tough to listen to. I've shared the things I have today because I'm hoping that there's a listener out there who has more knowledge than I do and that they're willing to share that knowledge to help explain some of the things that we see in Jennifer's autopsy report. If that's you, contact me. I could really use the help. There's obviously a lot to parse out here. There are a lot of words that most of us don't use on a regular basis. And speaking for myself, there were a lot of medical terms that I didn't know the meaning of. So I'm doing the Googling for you, and I'll explain, to the best of my ability, what each of Jennifer's injuries mean, next time on Justice Delayed. In the meantime, brainstorm with me, and keep getting the word out about Jennifer's case. Every time you mention Jennifer's case, it increases our chances of actually reaching the people we need to reach, whoever they are wherever they are. A lot can change in 18 years. If you have a tip about this case, contact the Abilene Police Department at 325-673-8331 or call Crime Stoppers at 325-676-TIPS. I know this has been an especially short episode, but given the difficult and graphic content, it just kind of made sense. But I'll be back Monday with a regular length episode. Join me then for more about the unsolved homicide of Jennifer Servo. Justice Delayed was written and produced by me. I want to say thank you to Jennifer's family. Without their support, this podcast wouldn't exist. All music for this episode is provided by Lee Rosevere. You can find his music at happypuppyrecords.ca. Our logo was created by Caitlin Spencer. My source for this episode was the autopsy report of Jennifer Servo from the Office of the Chief Medical Examiner, Tarrant County Medical Examiner's District, Tarrant County, Texas. The details are in the show notes. Our success depends on your participation, so remember to send in any leads you think I should pursue or any questions you have about the case. This is Sharon, and I'll be back.